last week we started a new series called Winning at Faith. How many people think faith is important? And if you didn't raise your hand, you need to put your hand up because faith is important. The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. In this series, what we're doing is we're actually taking the book of James and we're taking each uh, time we teach, we're taking one chapter of the book of James. I like to say it this way, you know, because it was really a letter when he wrote it. It wasn't broken up, you know, uh, like the way that we have it in our modern day Bibles with, with the uh, chapters and the verses. It was just a letter. So we're going to call it a five-page letter from James to the believers. And not just the believers at his time, but this is for us too. And I really feel like God wants to show us some things. There's many things that we could look at. But as we take each chapter and look at the book of James, I really found as I went through this last time what God wanted to highlight uh, to you guys and to me as we were going through it is just how to win at faith. And in each chapter, he's showing us how to win at faith. And last week we discussed, you know, who better to teach us this than James. He was an apostle. He was the pastor of the church in, in uh, Jerusalem, and he was the half-brother of Jesus. The Bible says in John chapter 6 that, that his brothers at one time didn't even believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They were trying to get him to go out because they wanted to say, hey, if you are who you say you are, go ahead, manifest yourself. Do what you're going to do. And it went on to say because even his brothers didn't believe in him. But somewhere along the line, James believed. And we talked about that last week. I'm not going to get it. You can go in, on our website and look at that. But last week we talked about locating your faith, how to locate your faith where you're at. And uh, what we want to talk about today is once we know how to locate our faith, now we find out where our faith is, we need to make sure that our faith is activated. Can you say amen? So we want to talk about, we're going to look at James, and I'm just going to give you the word today. Is that Okay. And we're going to talk about activating your faith. And I kind of want you, as, as we're going over this second chapter or this second letter, the second page of this letter of James, I want you to see, because God gave me this picture this morning, just like, you know, uh, when you go to wash your hands and your hands are dirty, just your hands just feel refreshed when they're washed, don't they? Or whenever you go and maybe you're, you're working, maybe you're sweating a little bit, and you just, or maybe you're tired. Sometimes when I'm tired, I just want to wash my face. And something about washing my face just rejuvenates me a little bit. And I felt like the Lord, what he wanted to do today as we're going over this uh, second page of this letter in the book of James, that God is just pouring out. He's pouring out the water of his word upon us. Let him refresh you. Something powerful about the washing of the water of the word. It can, it can wash away sin. Uh, it, it takes away the filth of this world. And it, it could be sin that we commit. It could be sin that just attaches itself to us just because we're in this world. Just like a dust that settles. Sin can just settle on you. And we can just get washed with the water of God's word. You can drink it. Isn't that awesome? You can, you can, you can use it to refresh your body. You, you can drink it. And refresh your spirit. So today as we're talking about this, activating your faith, just let God, just let him pour over, over every single one of you. I just see like a picture over every single one of you being poured out. Let God just refresh you and wash you and make you new. Because he wants your faith active. Can you say amen? 
He wants an active body of Christ. He wants an active bride. Not only just waiting for him, just kind of, we're not just there twiddling our thumbs. We're busy about the Father's business while we're waiting for our groom, Jesus, to come and take us home. Amen? Hallelujah. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to James chapter 2. And we're just going to walk through this today for these next few moments. James chapter 2, verse number 1. And I encourage you to read along over this next month here while we're uh, going through this series. Go ahead and read the book of James uh, and uh, get that in you. But James chapter 2, verse number 1 says this. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? I like it. He's the glorious Lord Jesus Christ. How can you claim to have faith in Jesus if you favor some people over others? Boy, James, he, he just comes right out into it. I mean, we located our faith last week, and now he's here. He's trying to activate our faith, but he's saying... How can you claim to have faith in Jesus if you favor some people over others? First thing that James wants us to really get here is that love favors everyone. I'll say it again. Love favors everyone. One translation says it this way. If you have an attitude of personal favoritism. You know, to God, everyone is his favorite. Everyone. Have you ever been around people like that? Someone that just, there, there's just something in them that no matter who they talk to, you feel like you're their favorite. Every time they just come to you. That's how it is with the Lord. The Lord, you are his favorite. Kelly, you're his favorite. Natasha. You're his favorite. Heather, you're his favorite. And we can, we can all be there and he can tell the truth and not lie and tell us that we are his favorite because every single one of us is his favorite because love favors everyone. How can you have faith in Jesus if you hold personal favor or personal favoritism towards someone else and not towards another? Then, you know, even Jesus kind of told us in the Gospels whenever he was talking about how to love he says, hey, you know, you don't, you don't prove your love just by doing good to someone because they did good to you. Even those who don't know the Lord, even sinners do that. They repay people for doing good things for them. You love someone whenever they don't deserve to be loved. In our own, you know, none of us deserves to be loved, period. That's the point. Jesus came to love us and to shed his love in us so that we can share his love with other people so that they can see, yes, every single one of us don't deserve to be loved, but yet he still loves us because love favors everyone. Then James gives an illustration in the next few verses. He talks about really like fancy clothes and dirty clothes, right? He's like, hey, how can you say you have faith when someone comes into your gathering? Maybe it's in your home. Maybe it's in a gathering of people come together. Maybe it's in a congregation in a church, and they're wearing nice, fine clothes, and they look like they're wealthy. And someone else comes in, and maybe they're a little stinky, and maybe their clothes look a little shabby. And you say to the one with the fancy clothes, hey, you come over here, and you sit here, and you honor them 
But you tell the one with the, the, the shabby clothes or those that we would consider to be poor, and you say, you know what, you just stand back there out of the way. We're glad you're here, but you're... No, that's not love. Love don't, love don't point one person out over the other. Love favors everyone. He actually goes on to say that by doing this, you actually dishonor poor people. And I want to dis distinguish here between poor and rich because, yes, there can be that element of those with money, those without money, those wealthy, and, and, and that way. But there's more to it. If you look at Scripture between the poor and the rich, it really could come down to this, is that the poor are those who know that they need help. And their trust is in the Lord. The rich could be considered those who don't think that they need anybody, even the Lord. You know, in Revelations, Jesus says, hey, you need to uh, go ahead and buy some salve for your eyes because you think that you're, you're rich and you're clothed and you have no need of anything, but you don't realize, you can't truly see that you are poor and blind and naked. You don't understand your need. And James actually went on to say, he said here, he says, hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Man, there's something about knowing that you need God. It is humbling to go and ask someone for help. But there's something about the Lord. He always wants to keep that in, in us in a place of humility because when we're in a place of humility, humility leads us to him where we're not just crying out for someone else to help us. We're crying out for him to help us. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So love favors everyone. Then James goes on to say in, in verse number eight, it's good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. This, is, this amazes me right here because a lot of times when people think of this, you know, you find in the scriptures, we're thinking where Jesus said this, but you know, this, this, the royal law, which is to love your neighbor as yourself, was around before Jesus came on the scene. He wasn't the first one that said that, obviously, in the scriptures. It's actually in Leviticus. It's in the law. In Leviticus uh, chapter 19, 18, love or value is another way to say it. Love and value your neighbor as you love and value yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. Wow. If you favor some, one translation says it this way, the NASB says, if you show partiality to some people over others, you're committing sin. Here's what partiality means. Being partial, bias, or prejudice. Wow, you know what? I'll be honest with you guys. Every single one of us has blind spots. Every single one of us will walk through areas where we have a personal bias that needs to be challenged. And it will be challenged with love. He says this is the royal law. Listen to, listen to what this, also if you look this word up, that, that partiality, look up partial bias, prejudice. Here's another way it brings it out into a sentence. I love this. So bias and prejudice is this, unfavorable or unreasonable opinion or feeling formed without knowledge. That is good. Chew on that for a second. That's good. I'm going to read it again. 
So bias and prejudice is this, unfavorable or unreasonable opinion or feeling formed without knowledge. Wow. You know, there's certain things that we got. It would be good for us to, you know, we'll get into it. This is what James is getting into, man. He, we're talking about activating your faith, so stay with me, okay? It's getting good. He said, hey, you can't hold personal uh, a bias. You, love favors everyone. Here's the second thing you need to know. When he talked about loving our neighbors as ourselves, we said that word love can actually be value, where you value someone else just like you value yourself. So love favors everyone. Love places value on everyone. Love places value on everyone. Why? Because God is love and God values every single person that he created. No matter how they were created, no matter what's going on, he loves them. He cares for them. Can you say amen? amen. Then he kind of he goes in, he's uh, talking about uh, in, in verse number um, uh, uh, 12, he says, So what, whatever you say, really your words, or whatever you do, your actions, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. He's still talking about the royal law. It's the royal law that sets us free. And Jesus demonstrated that law when he came to the earth, when he left his proper abode in heaven and he took on flesh and he came to earth, he demonstrated the, the greatest demonstration of love to love a people that rejected him. And even when he came, still rejected him. Come on now. That's love. It says, so you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who will not show mercy to others. But if you will be merciful, if you have been merciful, God will be merciful to you when he judges you. And every single one of us will be judged. We will all stand before the Lord on a judgment day. So you may be thinking, you know, what does this have to do with faith? Come on, Pastor John. I, mean, well, I thought you were talking about activating your faith. What does all this about love have to do with faith? Everything. Completely everything. If we miss this, no wonder we're not getting our prayers answered. If we miss this one point, no wonder our faith is laying dormant. It says in Galatians chapter 5, verse number 6, faith works through love. How many people miss that? Faith works through love. James took these first 13 verses that we looked through to teach us that love is the activator of faith. Love is faith's champion. Love is how we win at faith in our everyday lives. It's how we live. It's how, we, it's how we, we win at faith. I love this, and, and, and we know the, the I'll, I'll read a little bit later, but just one verse here in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, considered the love chapter, right? I mean, I, anybody ever read that and not get convicted somewhere? I mean, it's just how it is, you know? You look at it like, whoa, I, thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping me with that. Praise the Lord. But look what it says in verse number 7 of, of 1 Corinthians 13. It says this, love never gives up, never loses faith is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. 
Look, I'll read it again. Love never gives up. It never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. The, verse number 13 says that there's three things that will last forever. It's faith and hope and love. But out of all three of these, love is the greatest. Why is it the greatest? Love is the greatest because love activates faith and love revives hope. That's why it's the greatest. It activates faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It revives hope when someone who feels like they're hopeless, re hopeless receives an act of love by the love of God. It revives hope in them. And when hope is revived, they receive that love. And then their faith begins to come alive. And then they can be used by God to love on others and activate their faith. Not just towards God and who he is, but through him. And love on other people. Can you say amen? So he spent these first, really these first 13 uh, verses talking about, listen, guys, don't miss this. You know, sometimes we'll jump, you know, we'll, we'll just go through uh, the first portion of this chapter and go right to where he's talking about faith. I'm like, you know, this is all it's about. No, you missed the whole point. If you jump to the second half of chapter two, you miss the whole point of what faith is about. It's about love. Faith won't work without love. James chapter 2, verse number 14, he goes on to say, So what good is it, dear brothers and sisters? He started the first verse out with brothers and sisters. How can you claim to have faith? Now he's saying brothers and sisters again. He's bringing you into the family. What good is it, brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? And I want you to see this from now on. He spent that whole time talking about love and acts. I want you to see everything from this, the rest of this chapter going through. When you see actions, I want you to see love because this is what's important. If you say you have faith, but you don't show, show it by your actions or through love, can that kind of faith save anyone? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Here's the third one. Faith is powerless without love. It's powerless. Faith is powerless without love. James goes on. He gives another illustration there in a few verses after this one that we just read. He says, suppose a brother or sister comes into your, into your fellowship and they have need. Maybe they need clothes. Maybe they need food. And all you do is say, hey, have a good day, brother, sister. Take care of yourself. Be fed. Be clothed. Have a good day. But you don't do anything. Is that faith? Are you demonstrating faith? You don't demonstrate faith just by what you say. You demonstrate faith by what you say that is accompanied by what you do. How many people out there, you hear it all the time, I heard it yesterday, that person said they were a Christian and they acted that way. Well, I'm not saying they're not a Christian, but they probably weren't walking in love. And whenever we don't walk in love, it brings they, it, it causes people to see God in a different light than what he really is because he's so good. He's so kind. He's so loving. Can you say amen? James 2.17 says this. So if you see, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds, unless it produces love. It is dead and useless. Faith is powerless without love. The next one is faith without love is useless. It's powerless. It's useless. 
He talks about arguments. People just like to argue. Anybody know anybody around your, your realm of influence? Someone that just likes to argue. Well, James understood this too. He said some was going to argue and say, hey, some people have faith and some people have love. He says, no, that's not the way it is. You don't just say you have faith. He goes, if you say you have faith, prove it to me by your love. Prove it to me by your actions. Show me your faith. You say you have faith, I'll show you my faith by the way that I love on people. And sometimes, you know, sometimes love, we said this uh, a little while back in a different message, sometimes love will just keep its mouth shut in a moment that could be heated. That's acting in love by just mm. <laughs> loving on you. <laughs> right? Because when you get into heated situations, the best thing that love can do if it's getting tense is to be quiet. Because the Bible says in Proverbs, you know, strife and contentions is like letting out water. And once that water, the gravity, reaches a certain peak, you can't stop it. You see a dam, you know, it's, this dam will hold back, you know, this huge amounts of water. But if that dam had a crack in it, just a little bit of water got through, that water, the pressure of that water would break out and destroy that dam. And all that water would come out. That's like it is whenever we get in places. We begin to, we begin to get heated, right? Or uh, 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 then, we, then we begin to really, we begin to partial ourselves over other people. We begin to say things and do things that bring hurt to them. It brings hurt to us. It brings hurt to the name of Jesus. But James is saying, hey, guys, I want to show you how to activate your faith. This is how to activate your faith. So... He goes on with some more illustrations here, you know, saying there's going to be some people that argue and uh, you show me your faith. You say you have faith, but I'm going to show you my faith by deeds. He said unto someone else, he says, you say you have faith for you believe in, in one God. And that's good. But guess what? Even demons believe that there's one God and they shudder. They shudder. So he says, how foolish can't you see faith without works or without good deeds, without love? is useless. Then he begins to talk about Abraham and Rahab. He says, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his acts of love when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? He loved his son, but he loved God more, and he was willing to give up the promise that God had given him. Now, God never intended him to really sacrifice his son, but he was testing his faith. You have to go back to last week's lesson on this. God was making sure that faith was getting on the inside of him, and it did. God located Abraham's faith and said, you love me more than the promise that I gave you. You love me. Isn't that what God wants? Isn't that what you want in a loving relationship? You want to be loved for not what you do, but just for who you are? Amen. He, he deemed God faithful in his promises. The Bible even says that he believed, even if he had to go through the complete act and God didn't stop him, that God was going to raise him from the dead. <laughs> That's how much faith he had. He's like, even if, even if I, I go through with this, God's not going to let this die because he promised that it was through this child was going to be my seed. So if, if I completely go through this, then he's going to have to raise him from the dead because he said it. Amen. He loved God. 
And he was proved to be a friend of God. And he talked about Rahab. You know, you heard the story of Rahab is really whenever um, uh, Joshua was getting ready to uh, uh, go and destroy the town of, um, of uh, Jericho. And the spies went in. Joshua learned his lesson. Remember when he went out to spy out the promised land, they went out with 12 and only two came back with a good report. So when Joshua sent out spies to Jericho, he only sent two. He's like, we're not sending 12. We're sending two. Okay, because I know. <laughs> and he sent them out and they went in uh, and they, they found this, this uh, harlot. She was a prostitute. And they went in and they, and they hid in, in her place. And, uh, and they found out, and she was afraid. She, she heard about them. She recognized that they were Israelites and said, we know that God has given you our city. And she began to call upon the covenant nature of a Jewish God who she didn't know, but she believed in. And she said, listen, I'm going to take care of you, uh, and I'm going to hide you, and I'm going to help you to get, get back. But when you come back to this city, you need to protect me and my family and my family's family, anybody that would be in my house. I want you to save us. We believe in you. And they said, we'll do exactly as you say. As long as we get away and you don't report us, when we come back, we're going to save you and your family. And the Bible says that, that Rahab, uh, she was shown to be right with God by her actions. Really, the love, this goes to a deeper, this goes to a, a deeper revelation of love, which is really the fear of the Lord. That fear is like, listen, there's no, I've never even heard, she's saying, I never even heard of a God like you, a God like yours, that everything that he's done, we've heard reports from Egypt the whole way through, all the kings and everything through the deserts, how he split the sea, how he split the Jordan, all these things. I want to serve your God. And you know, history says that Rahab stayed with the Israelites and served God the rest of her days. And God thought it was so precious that Actually, Jesus' earthly genealogy actually came through, and Rahab was part of that. Yep. Isn't that awesome? God is awesome. So faith without love is useless. We can see that in the acts of Rahab. We can see that in the acts of, of Abraham. That's where James was kind of taking us. And then James 2.26 says, Just as the body without breath is dead, so also faith is dead without good works or without love. Faith without love is dead but i want to add on to that faith without love is dead but faith with love is amazing faith without love is dead but faith with love it's amazing there's amazing things that we can do man you're at we're at a pivotal or pivotal whatever you want to say how to pivotal pivotal pivot just like basketball pivot there we go thank you lord we're at a, at a pivotal point. You know, it's just kind of make fun of myself right now. My son, you know, he'll make fun of me because you get up here and you say things and you're, I don't know, your mind's going all different places and you're trying to just like keep up with the Holy Ghost. And then, and then uh, I'll say things. He goes, Dad, sometimes you don't say the right words. That just comes out. And I said, I know. And I, I get it right there. But I keep going and I can see on people's faces that we're getting it. So we're just going on. <laughs> but he likes to point it out after service. So uh, just, just so you know. Hallelujah. <laughs> Faith with love is amazing. We're at such a pivotal point right now. And I believe, you know, even right now, even as we're looking through the book of James and realizing that God wants us to locate our faith, he wants us to activate our faith. And this is the great activator. If you want to activate your faith, you need to act, be active or stay active in love. If you want to know how you're walking in faith, ask yourself, am I walking 
in love. Because you can't walk in faith and not be in love. So let's just take a moment here and we'll close. Let's take a moment and look at this love, this amazing love that's available to every single one of us. It's there. It's not that God don't want to give it. He's constantly pouring it out. We have to receive it. It would be good for you to make this scriptures that we're going to go over a prayer and ask God for it and then thank God believing because whenever, whenever you're thanking God, you're, in, you're actually in a state of faith because you're believing that he's doing what he said he was going to do. Amen. Amen? Hallelujah. So let's look at this amazing love. 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to read uh, this portion here. It says this. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. And it keeps no records of being wronged. Isn't this amazing already? Love does not rejoice when injust with injustice or about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, it never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. These three things last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Man, I'm telling you what, James has got some stuff going on. We've learned how to locate our faith, now activating our faith. Wait till next week. I mean, he's just taking us. We're going to be like, ah. We're going to be banging up the kingdom of darkness and, and amen, hallelujah. Let's do this just for a moment. I'm sure even as I read that, um, there's always a place. I don't think I've ever read that portion of scripture and didn't see something uh, that stuck out to me. You know, when I, just to be honest with you right now, just being real, when I read through that time, rude stuck out to me like there was a time that I was rude uh, there's always something this is this is like this scripture is like you know you have your car you got your gauges and stuff this is like the gauge to look at to see where you're at you can look at that oh uh, that gauge is off so what do you do you just let it stay there and, and run half or you go take care so when the light comes on and says there's something wrong with the exhaust go do something because I mean if the exhaust gets in the car you could die right so you look at it, it's a gauge. We look at this. This would behoove us as believers to, to meditate on this, memorize this, getting in us and think about it every single day so that we're walking in love because if we're walking in love, walking in faith is right on the heels. It works together. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads if you would.